Hi, I'm KJ and you're listening to We All Say. And today I have a special guest um, who is my sister. Um, and today um, I wanted Kali on because we are going to be talking about intersectional feminism and um, white feminism. And so the reason why we wanted to have this discussion because recently I went to the Sydney Writers Festival and it was uh, claimed to be you know the year of power at the Sydney Writers Festival and they had a lot of panels um, you know discussing like the Me Too movement and feminism and they had one in particular called um, my feminist my feminism will be intersectional or it will be bullshit and so um, headline is um, from an essay by Flavia Zodan who wrote this in 2011. Unfortunately she did go on Twitter and say that she was not actually invited um, by Sydney Writers Festival and she hasn't even been really recognized for her work but um, yeah it's interesting that the state decided that it was fine to use, use the title of her essay for a panel you know, which she wasn't even invited to. The panelists um, for that talk, Kia, Louise, Lindsay Clemens, Amanatu So, and Jenny Zhang, with narrator Jamila Rizvi, addressed that. Said that it would have been nice for her to have been one of the speakers or the the main speaker. Um, yeah, but unfortunately, um, she was not invited. So I just wanted to highlight that in itself. They did discuss the issue with women of color not actually being recognized or given credit for their work. You know, the panel discussed intersectional feminism and addressed the issues of the feminist movement. And um, so just before we start, and before myself and Kali start our discussion, I just wanted to give a background of, you know, a definition of what is intersectional feminism. So intersectional feminism... Um, is feminism that identifies how interlocking systems of power impact most marginalized groups. And so the origin of the term was is actually from an African-American woman called Kimberly Crenshaw, who was a civil rights advocate. And at the time, she was a law student. Now she's a law professor. Um, she identified this term over 30 years ago. So she identified that race and gender are viewed as separate issues. However, this notion is ridiculous because we can't view these concepts in isolation. Um, she identified these these systems of oppression overlap and discrimination women face can be based on, you know, things like gender, race, age, class, socioeconomic status, physical or mental ability, sexual identity as well as gender identity, religion and ethnicity. Intersectional feminism, the meaning has evolved, and um, I would urge everyone to go and watch Kimberly Crenshaw's TED talk, which is called The Urgency of Intersectionality, because she goes into um, discussion about this um, in more detail. And so, what we're going to be talking about is today is the problem with the feminist movement as we speak right now, and the problem that ha- the feminist movement has always had, and it's that. It has not been intersectional and it's we need to highlight that this mainstream feminist movement is what we like to call white feminism and white feminism is when the feminism that focuses on the struggles of white women and fails and ignores the oppression of others.
and I think it's good to highlight that white women um, have something that the rest of us don't and it's white privilege and um, they benefit from a system that's created for white people by white people and they do benefit from that and so it's just good to, to highlight that because I think when we talk about feminism you kind of forget that they are you know white women even though you know they might be affected by patriarchy they still benefit from white supremacy and this um, white privilege and you know white feminism ignores that women of color and other marginalized women have less job opportunities um, than white women there is a huge pay gap between women of color and white women um, non-white women don't have access to the same sort of health care education um, you know this modern day white feminism movement ignores racism gentrification homophobia transphobia you know um, the mud of Abor uh, aboriginal women in custody and so these are all of the issues and for just women of color white feminism ignores our pain and our frustrations and you know our experiences and white feminism tells us that you know women of color we're overreacting or we should not be divisive um whenever we speak up and, and shed light on on the issues and and call out you know ignorance from you know white women um or their inaction when it comes to supporting us in our struggles and and supporting our issues so that's just a brief overview. So what I wanted to talk about today is also the um, Me Too movement and how white feminism has affected the Me Too movement because that's something we're in now. What do you think are some of the main issues that the Me Too movement is not addressing when it comes to women of colour? Well, I think it is first and predominantly focused on wealthy white women so women in Hollywood and and so forth. Yeah. Whereas, um, if we look at the statistics worldwide, yeah, women of color are the main victims of sexual violence. Uh, violence. Yeah. So across Asia and Africa, yeah, people are women of color. Even within uh, Western, like Australia, yeah. America, it's still indigenous women. What they say, like forty-five times more likely to. Um, be victims of, of family violence than yeah. white women. So I think that that is uh, the first problem in itself. Mm. And also the emphasis on white women being victims. Yeah. So I find that there are people of color yeah. that are victims, but they don't get the publicity yeah. that, uh, as much as a white woman. Yeah. Um, and there's several examples of that. Yeah. You know, you have Lupita. Yeah. Um, when she came out against this whole Weinstein... Harvey Weinstein, yeah. Yeah, pretty much Harvey Weinstein hadn't uh, released any statements about any other victim yeah. except her, where he said, no, that did not happen. Yeah. And so uh, I find that people of colour aren't given the support they needed mm. in this Me Too, Me Too movement. Mm. And it's good to just bring up um, that the Me Too movement was started by Tarana Burke, um, an African-American woman, and it was basically... Um, for you know empowerment through empathy of survivors like that's why she cre created this and she created this over um i think it was like 10 years ago or something and it was she created this me too movement for 
underprivileged communities and for underprivileged, you know, women who don't have access to like rape crisis centers or counselors. Um, and, you know, she did state in an interview that women of color are more likely to experience sexual assault, as you said. Mm. Um, yet the conversation has largely centered around famous white women such as, you know, the Gwyneth Paltrow's mm. and Reese Witherspoon's. And, you know, those are important to highlight. But when that's all we're focusing on and we're forgetting women of color and women who don't have the platform, exactly, that's a problem. And also women that are not famous and don't have money. Exactly. Because it doesn't diminish their pain. Yeah, and it's the movement to see that it was created for the underprivileged. Yes. And they aren't really even getting a spotlight on them. It's right. it's ridiculous. So I wanted to ask you, why do you think that women of color are still being ignored? I think it's because we are not valued. Yeah. And we're not seen as equal. Mm. And that sort of underpins everything. When when something happens to us of color, mm. it seems, you, you know, we always get, oh, you brought it on yourself or... You know that it's it's sad, but that's just the way it is. So we know, and it's as you said. Like I know most women get the victim blaming, but you made up a point. Point like like women of color. I I feel like whenever you see a case on the news or something yes. with people of color, it's like, oh well, you know, like for example, police brutality. Yeah. It's like, oh well, you shouldn't have spoken to to the officer like that, or you shouldn't have done that, or you should have not been. You know, like recently, you we've had that spate of like white women calling the police on like black people in in America, yes. and um, you know, there's one case with Bob Marley's granddaughter, and they didn't say hello to this white woman, and you know, they were in an Airbnb, and they kind of just left, and and you know, she called the cops on them, and everyone was telling these black women, well, if you just said hello to her, like they're entitled to to just everything like as a brown person or a person of color you just can't go through life doing what you want to do you know you have to always make them feel comfortable exactly and uh, even in in um, south asia mm. there's a group of uh, assaults yeah. and again it was always the victims being blamed why were they out in the street in daylight <laughs> exactly. you know do people of color can we not even go out in daylight yeah um so we always receiving the blame. We are not uh, valued the same as a white, white woman. White woman. Mm. And that just, you know, it's evident, mm. you know, in everything. Um, and I can't remember where I read this from, um, but I was reading somewhere that they were talking about how white women have kind of claimed this femininity and, and purity and everything good and women of color are not associated yes. with the same, like, oh, we're not allowed to be, you know, that, that same sort of, like, feminine or or just... Um, Dainty and, d- um, um, like, beautiful and and everything associated with... We aren't valued in the yeah. same way. We No one wants to protect us in the same way. And I think, you know, just if you look back at history, you can see where this has come from and, and a prime example is you know the, the white privilege in itself and the fact that you know you get the european standard of beauty which plays yeah. into that like that's the ideal exactly that you have to get to and and 
you know, you need to just try and be like a white woman because white women are at the top, they're on this pedestal and and everyone else is less than. And we all have to attain to that. Yeah, and if you don't, then you aren't good enough. So it's like just that as a tiny example is kind of showing that we aren't seen on the same level. Which is kind of ironic because women of colour essentially started the movement Mm. and Gloria Steinem actually said in an article herself she said African-American woman black woman Mm. started the movement yeah Uh, I think they did a poll in the 1980s and like 65% of black women were in favor of the movement and 30% compared to 30% of white women yeah who are in favor of the of the uh, women's movement so it all started with black women yet um we can't we, we see it now and they totally ignored yeah and their voices aren't being heard yeah. and they're always the ones on the front line yes um and you're right like at every march at every everything you find that women of color really we, we support we support the movement mm. irrespective of you know and we get forgotten yeah and it was also though you know for example um in america also the right to vote for women like all of these suffragettes and they were like oh yeah yeah let's band together and then when it was time for like you know black women they're like hey we'd like a woman of color as well like we'd like Mm -hmm. the right to vote it's like no no no, you wait your turn let's us get it first and it's that's always been the mentality like oh no, no let us get get whatever we want for pay equality, let us get it first, and yeah. then we'll discuss your issues of lack of representation, yeah. of you know not even getting paid the same as white women to begin with, like a lack of job opportunities. Like we'll discuss that later, and it's no, that's that's kind of like a a, a tactic and a strategy that's always been used. Like you just shut up, let us get what we want, and then the the promise that we'll come back and we'll help yeah. you, and it never happens, and so women of color are always fighting yeah we're just in a constant cycle it's mm. just a fighting mm. and and and, it, and everything that we get we get by doing things ourselves yeah we get it we get it by working hard and fighting and getting these things ourselves because we're never sitting there and asking for handouts yeah we're like no no if we're gonna do this we're gonna fight fight for us and it would just be nice if our white sisters would be next to us fighting for the same things. Because yeah. we show up. When they need us. Yeah, and, you know, when it's yeah. issues that we have to deal with, um, you they know, like racism. And I just wanted to talk about, you know, um, something that even happened at the Sydney Writers Festival with Zinzi Clemens um, and Juno uh, Diaz. And, um, you know, she uh, made some accusations that he was sexually aggressive and, and, and um, kind of forcibly tried to kiss her. And, um, you know, and they were at a panel and she was in, in the audience. And, you know, he's actually written a piece for the Me Too movement. So, um, you know, it was question time during the panel. And then she stood up and she's like, okay, this is what happened. And she kind of left the auditorium and the people in there applauded him you know instead of doing what we we hear everyone in the me too movement say we need to do is that we need to listen to victims and survivors we need to sit back and listen they just initially just went no mm -mm, 
she did something up with this girl. No, we're going to support him. We're going to show him support. We're going to feel sorry for him. We're going to show him our support. Well, she's left out in the lobby crying. And she did say, um, you know, the panel that we went to that there's a woman who came out and it was a white woman who came out and comfort her. And that's what we need. We need white women like that who are going to come to the aid of women of color, who are going to be there for us. And this, she said the most important thing this woman did was listen, was listen to her, bought her a drink and listened to her. But how sad that it was just one person. Well, yeah, and if you all don't know, the Sydney Writers Festival, majority women come. And, and so I feel like we just need to do better because we can sit here and do the hashtags, me too, all day until the cows come home. Um, and put it on all our socials but it doesn't actually mean anything unless you are going to action it yeah and unless a woman comes out or a man comes out and say I've been sexually harassed and this has happened and if you support the person okay you know and if you don't think that they did this you don't have to come out and be like oh well that person's like you sit back and you listen you listen you give that woman the space and the platform and the support that she needs correct and that's what we should be doing and so you know unfortunately that was um that was a sad thing to see and I really felt for bad for her and just think the me too movement hasn't really represented a lot of um stories from women of color there's like a real lack of representation when it comes to women of color and and when they do speak up, yeah. they don't get support. Like I, and honestly, if you sit here and if I say, you know, try to name a woman of color who's come out in this Me Too movement, how many will you be able to name? One. And if I tell you how many, like, try and name, like, white women who have come out. Oh, 50. <laughs> like, you know, the Greta Paltrow, the yeah. Reese Witherspoon, um... Yeah, and even people who work with Woody Allen. Like, people who've been working with Woody Allen for years. And we all know he... Well, we we all were very suspect on him in the first place. You know, Listen, him and his daughter. He married his adopted daughter. And I find it so hard to just get out because I find it so unbelievable that we... And creepy. And that anyone is okay with him... They, like he's married to his stepdaughter and his um he uh his adopted daughter he's married to his adopted daughter and his ste- stepdaughter accused him of rape and somehow we find it so hard to believe that this man is capable of rape when he married his own adopted daughter that he knew from the time she was like a little girl Yet we find it hard to believe. It's like, no, he'd never do that. It doesn't sound like something he'd do. His behavior has shown. There's a pattern there. Any psychologist will be able to show yes. you and highlight the pattern there. You know, it's so obvious that people just want to ignore it. And there's just a privilege of this white man that he can yeah. just do whatever he wants. And under the guise of, oh, he's so talented. But he's so talented. His movies are so fucking boring. Yes. I am sorry. His movies are so fucking boring. But he's just like this this artist. Let's put him on a pedestal. You're boring ass movies. And we're just going to ignore. And all of these like Blake Livelys and Scarlett Johansson's who are like wanting to come and say, hashtag me too, me too, me too. 
are still supporting these pedophiles, these yeah. abusers, are fine with that. It's it's very interesting. Like uh, the Hollywood white women pick and choose yeah. who they want to support. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Uh, I think you were mentioning to me um, about Lena. Uh, Dunham. Yeah. And, you know, how she picked and chooses when she wants to be a feminist. There was this, um, and I got that from this, this writer, Arwa Madawi, um, for The Guardian. She wrote a really um, good article talking about what they like to call um, racist hipsters, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is absolutely hilarious. And so, you know, she basically went on how you get these these white people who are like, oh, we're so left, like the white women who are like, we're so left, and, you know, we love all people, and we love people of color, and we don't see race sort of people, <laughs> you know, those ones. And so she went into this, um, you know, discussion about, about those these type of, of white feminists. And, um, you know, she was discussing Lena Denham and the fact that um, Lena Denim came out a couple months ago and she you know she had a, this tweet saying um you know things that women don't lie about uh, things that women lie about is what we eat for lunch and things that women don't lie about um is rape and so everyone was like yeah you know big up girl high five feminist movement yay yay and then um when allegations came out from uh, this uh, amazing woman of color really brave woman aurora perineau who is the daughter of harold perineau who he's been in the wire and things like romeo and juliet and so she came out and she said that basically she accused um, Murray Miller, who is a writer on the show Girls at Lena Denham's, um, a part of, of raping her when she was 17. And Denham kind of came to defense and was like, oh, basically, this is um, the uh, percentage of women who, you know, make like false allegations. And so it's really interesting that she's all in support of of women coming out and speaking the truth but when it's a woman of color um coming out and speaking uh, out, out against her friend all of a sudden it's yeah the woman becomes a liar yeah she's a liar you know it's like you don't know what happened yeah you, how can you come how can you say yes you, we need to believe all women when it's um you know when they come up with their rape allegations except if it's a woman of color yeah except except for this woman because yeah. he's my friend and i know him so therefore so this is the lack of support that you know we're talking about and um and just people like the and I like to call them the like famous feminist you know the famous Hollywood feminist the people like the Tina Fey's and Amy Pulver's and um Apola what's her name Amy Pola yeah whatever her name is um and the Sarah Silverman's and you find like you know Tina Fey she had that that disgusting joke on Saturday Night Live, um, you know, when they were talking about white nationalists marching marching on Charlottesville. When she made a joke about Thomas Jefferson raping a fourteen year old African American slave, you no, know, um, Sally Hemings calling her, you know, the hot light skin girl, um, over by the butter churn. 
like you think that's funny like women of color black women being raped is funny to you like that's a punchline yes and then these are the ones who shout at the top of the voice about pay gap about yeah women and they pay gap yet when it comes to like the most brutal thing which is a sexual assault for women they can joke about that yeah or the amy schumers who you know as um stated in this article was talking about she made jokes like oh i used to date hispanic guys but now i prefer consensual so your amy schumer your you know spokesperson for white feminism is sitting here and making absolutely horrendous racist jokes that you and here's the thing they aren't jokes because they affect people they affect people because jokes like that add and reiterate the type of bullshit that donald trump is spreading out that mexicans are rapists and that's why we don't need to bring bring them into america jokes like that affect people of color you know day to day it affects our ability to get jobs to even be treated equally it affects how people treat us on a daily basis and you'll find that the people who suffer will be the women of color the women of color who are being deported they children yeah Yeah. and you know it's so interesting and i I remember in um amy pola and tina fey um they had this show called difficult people and in it they joked about um r kelly peeing on blue ivy r kelly a known pedophile he you know married alia at like 14 or dated her at 14 he's been videotaping on an underage girl he um you know has sex calls and only recently has anyone even been paying attention to the abuse that r kelly has been perpetrating on african-american girls and women and you think it's funny to make jokes about him peeing on blue ivy a baby do you think that would have ever happened do you think they would have used a white woman why didn't they use that joke and a white woman like oh like woody allen doing something to a little white girl yeah you know because white girls are seen as valuable they're seen as being worthy of respect you know there's no punchline in that but what women of color and little girls of color aren't even seen as that yeah they would never they would never make a joke like that ever and r kelly is probably the most disgusting person in humanity mm, and humanity is wine skin buddy yeah and they have the audacity audacity to use r kelly and blue ivy in the same goddamn sentence yeah blue ivy could probably wow. buy them <laughs> you know tina Fey and amy paul <laughs> like yeah. that's how you know wealthy she is she's living her life you know an amazing baby who's like has the most incredible mother who is a feminist a true feminist feminist. all you have to do is listen to lemonade (laughs) to you know to know what we're talking about and i just i thought it was so disgusting that you could make a joke about a baby like that and they always you know will come back and they'll always uh talk about it's it's just you know it's comedy you know we don't want to be politically correct and so you know those jokes are allowed just because of its comedic value Mm. and it's not even funny to be honest there's nothing funny about that. Yeah, and yet they are the ones who, are, you know, play on it and benefit and profit on the fact that we're just like these quirky white girls who don't fit, like, the, the standard of beauty. And, you know, yes. we're like Amy Schumer's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm like, not not a size, you know, zero. zero. And so I'm, like, funny and quirky and I'm just going to, um, you know, have a self-deprecating humor. And, like, all of these white women are like, yes, girl, do it, girl. And you're just thinking, are you? 
you kidding me? So you are fine to ignore the fact that they are so blatantly racist. We, we're good with that. And just even in Australia, you have like the, the Mia Friedman who has like Mama Mia and she has this, you know, she's all about feminism and, you know, I just remember a time where well, Delta Goodrum um, posted a picture um, of these, these guys who dressed up as seal and they did blackface and, you know, people came and they were saying, this is offensive. And then she, and Mia Friedman came to her defense and said, oh, you know, um, like this outrage is like batshit crazy and it's like political correctness and um who gave you the right to decide what is or what isn't worthy of outrage exactly what is offensive to people of color exactly and just dismissing yeah our feelings and you know i know armir rahman came out and he said it's it's really dangerous when we make when we normalize this mockery of people of color within mainstream culture, it's really, really dangerous because we are already seen as a joke. We are already seen as a punchline. You don't get to punch down. Your jokes don't get to punch down. Yes. You know what I mean? We are already oppressed. It's like kicking kicking the oppressed while they're down. We already have enough to deal with. And your jokes and your stereotypes and your generalizations just make it harder for us. Yes. To function. So, you know, it's not, it's not okay, and it's just not funny, and... Oh, and uh, talk about Mia Friedman, I hated how she treated... Um, Roxanne Gay? Yes. Mm. Her behavior was absolutely appalling. Um, that was the most anti-feminist thing I've ever heard. <laughs> um, so, you know, she cannot call herself a feminist, or if she is a feminist, then she's a racist. <laughs> Which, which you know, and I always like to say this is mind-blowing, but you can be a feminist and be racist, which yeah. is so mind-blowing to some people, and I don't know why. And I'm just thinking, you've read Roxanne's book called Hunger, and you've read her issues with, with weight and, mm-hmm. and how she, you know, she was um, sexually assaulted and how she used food to cope, and she's still fine with um, talking about her and basically talking about the intimate private details that should have been, you know, kept to herself. Or she shouldn't even been thinking of that. Like, oh, you know, can can the chair, you know, hold her weight? And just like such unnecessary yeah, comments. Just an um, asshole. <laughs> pretty much. I mean, seriously, she's amazing. Yeah, like, she doesn't need special uh, special car. She doesn't need special doors. She's perfectly fine. <laughs> the way she is, like, and you know, you don't get to put all of that on a person. Yeah. You don't get to put all of your ignorance and judgment on a person and you know their their you know background background and situation and when you're supposed to be professional that's not being professional you know i thought that roxanne was so classy in her reply yeah Um, so just um i would encourage people to if you know you want to read um about feminism Roxanne Gay has a really good book called Bad Feminist so you know go and support her woman of color if you're all about that life and lastly I just wanted to discuss how white women you know and and white feminism working in in like a pop culture sphere and and stuff like that and I just wanted to like maybe talk about your experiences or our experiences day-to-day life of of what it's like and then 
after that discuss some things that white women can do so um just like question um i had was when did when was the first time you noticed the difference between how let's just say like women of color were treated um opposed to white women oh so i noticed that very early on in my career when i left university Mm. so i i realized that when we were all applying for jobs and People were looking at my name and not even giving me an interview. Yeah. So that was the very first first time. And uh, my industry, which is uh, IT, at that particular time, wanted to attract women into the into the field. Yeah. So women were getting a lot of opportunities, except women of color. Yeah. And just to, like to explain, like you do have, you know, a, a very um distinct sounding you know yeah. surname and stuff like that that Correct. can be um easily associated with certain, yeah, yeah like with south asian yeah but being south asian and so like how do you navigate that um it was really difficult um but i just needed my my very first opportunity mm. and then after that you know other people were willing to give me opportunities yeah. in the workforce uh, but it was always as soon as they met me, it was like, oh, you're not like other Indians, right? And you're just like, uh, I'm South African. <laughs> yes, and I'm like, what is that supposed to mean? And mm. these were coming from other women as well. Yeah, it's just like, so what are you trying to say? You know, it's uh, you can just get that feeling of okay, wait, we, you're acceptable. We find you acceptable, acceptable, and everyone else who who looks like you, yeah. But a different, different accent, different, you know, wear different clothes is unacceptable and unequal. Yeah. And so that was my very first time of, wow, you know, you should be a female. You should be encouraging females no matter what their backgrounds or, Mm. uh, you know, um, their accents or what they wear, be giving all equal opportunities, but they don't. Mm. And and now that I've spent a a few years in the industry, I can... uh, there's a lot more emphasis on uh, promoting women into yeah. more senior roles. Mm. And I have to say, in, in the past four companies that I've worked in, mm. I've never seen a person of color in a senior position. Mm. So, like, uh, male and female people, like, yeah. person of color. Actually, you, you are right. I haven't seen mm. either a male or a female mm. person of color in these very senior positions. And you, if you are able to see them, you'll most likely see a man of color than a woman of color. That is correct. Yeah. And, so, and men of color rarely even get the opportunity exactly. in itself. Um, so I know that a few companies uh, have, in, um, have come up with quotas. Yeah. So there's a certain percentage of women that yeah. need to be in... Uh, senior positions and in teams and so forth and majority of that are white women yeah and it's not to say that people of color don't have the skills or they are not Not enough yeah or ambitious they just as ambitious yeah uh because i can tell you from the people my friends whoever i talk to they are just as ambitious more than capable Mm. we've studied the same thing we've all been to university yet they do not receive the same opportunities because white men will want to hire white females. Right. Okay. They go with what they know. Yeah. And they don't want to, to give other women of color opportunities. Mm. And so what would you want maybe white women who are in this position to do? 
give us an opportunity. Mm. You know, just give us a chance. We're not saying handouts. I mean, we are more than capable. Mm. You know, we've studied, we we've worked in the industry, we know what we are doing. Just mm. give us the opportunity. An equal opportunity, yeah. you know, and which we don't even get. We don't. And the thing is, people of color aren't asking for a lot. It's just like, yeah. can we be considered on an equal play? We like we're not on an equal playing field, but can we even our names just be put forward? Like, if we, you know, have the same sort of qualifications yes. and um, you know, are ticking the same boxes, then why is it that we aren't getting those opportunities? Yeah, I remember um something that happened a few years ago with this white manager. She was mm. looking at all the CVs. And she actually threw away all the CVs that had a foreign-sounding name. Oh, my God. So that's what I'm talking about. And you hear time and time again on TV that people of color, what they've done is that they've changed their names to more anglicized names, mm. and they've gotten interviews. I remember on SBS yeah. they yeah. had they had um, a segment on this um, African-Australian woman, and she created this database um and i can't remember it but uh, you know i'm sure you, you can google it and it was basically so uh you just put up your resume and it doesn't have the name so yeah. then people start picking the candidates of who's like qualified yeah and then you know only after that before they come for yeah. an interview you get the name just to get their foot in the door like yeah. we have to create apps just so we can get into the interview process Yes. You know what I mean? We aren't even even given an opportunity to even go for an interview. Exactly. You know, and like, it's, it's ridiculous that we aren't even given that space to try and introduce it. Like, how do you expect to get um, women of color and people of color into these manager roles when, you, when we can't even get through the door? Yes, they're pretty <laughs> much kicking us out of the door. They won't even let us in the door. It's like, as soon as they see you coming, it's like they kick you straight out. Yeah, yeah. You're like, you know, they take their hand and like shove your face and like right out the door. It's like the revolving doors and they just yeah. revolve you right outside. It's like, yeah, it's sorry, like, no. we're not taking one of you. Yeah. Please go. Oh, sorry, we didn't know you were that. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's just the most ridiculous thing that white women i think don't understand that they do have a lot of these um benefits yeah and they don't realize just how hard it is for women of color to just try and um sustain careers or move up we're not saying that white women are not good at their jobs or they're not capable but let's let's just be honest yeah People of color have to be 10 times as good. That's exactly have right. To be, let's just be honest yeah. here. We have to be twice as good, three times as good, 10 times as good to get the same job as someone, as a white person who has not had to work that hard. Yes. Who, who, who may not have the same sort of quali- qualifications. We may yeah. have 10 different degrees and they may just get it on, you know, not even having one. Yeah. Try getting a person of color into a position without a degree. <gasps> Impossible. They won't even look at you. Yet, I have worked with people who have left high school. They're just walking to like these Natural jobs world. just because they know someone. Yeah, I've never met a person of color who hasn't got a degree. Yeah, who's just been able to walk into a job. No, you know, and that's the difference. And all we're asking for is a fair, very fair Australian, go. a fair go. Australia is all about a fair go, except if you're a person of color. Apparently, yeah. then you just don't. <laughs> Especially <laughs> if you. 
indigenous and especially if you're a woman of color indigenous people indigenous women get uh, are treated extremely badly you, you know they're not represented on television they aren't represented in the world. managerial jo- roles yeah like that's not a thing we get some of them as politicians but somehow the media manages to create a scandal and they have to resign. Yeah. So the the little representation that they do get, uh, just, you know... Yeah, it's just like no one... And what I find funny is that when we try to work hard, you know, white people are like, oh, you know, um, well, that's just the way it is. And then when we like, fine, we're not going to, well, if you all just work hard, if you all just work, hard, yeah, I'm working hard. And you guys are trying to stop us at every single step. And when we do nothing, it's like, we can't do anything right. Yeah, we just can't do anything. It's because white people want us to stay in our box. Yes. And don't come out of their box. Don't want anything better for yourselves. Yeah. Be where we want you to be. Exactly. When it, when that makes us comfortable. Mm. And white women are part of this yeah. problem. And they, you don't think you are. And a lot of these white women who were at the talk about intersectional feminism at the Sydney Writers Festival, I had a couple of, when we when the talk finished, a couple of them, because Jenny Zhang said something like, white women kind of need to give up their platform two women of yeah. color and just kind of take a step back and these white women were you you came to a discussion about intersectional feminism first of all yeah i don't know what you expected to hear yeah maybe you wanted uh, everyone to pat you on the back that's you exactly know for calling right. yourself yeah. an intersectional feminism like look at me i'm a white lady i define like i call myself an intersectional feminist and so she basically said take a step back and these white women complain like so what did she say we just shouldn't do anything that's not what she's saying and the fact that you got so defensive over that shows that there's a real issue that you need to sort out yourself. You need to educate yourself about what you can do. Yes. And they also discuss like, white women, you'll need to stop put, trying to put it in your, because you'll just want to put it in your like Twitter bios. Like, I'm an intersectional feminist. Just, feminism is supposed to just innately be intersectional. That's exactly right. We shouldn't have a. We shouldn't have to create a term for it. This Kimberly Crenshaw shouldn't have had to have created a term. It yeah. should have just been a given. Yeah, don't. We shouldn't have to have our own hashtag. Exactly. Just hashtag just say. You know, your feminism should innately just be intersectional. You should care about what's happening with Palestinian women. You know, like one hundred and sixty Palestinian women have been injured and 30 killed since um you know the great march started on on uh, the 30th of march but you know you should be talking about that you should be talking about refugee women Mm. you should be talking about um you know indigenous women and the fact that they had the uluru statement from the heart that you know was rejected by by the australian government which nakia louis talked about and um you know and which discussions with the government and the indigenous community could have helped women you should have been thinking about these women because this could have, you know, helped with um, addressing the issues of violence um, in their communities. So I should also ask you, um, you know, we've discussed white feminism and the issues with it and how it affects us in our day-to-day lives. But what would you say um, white women could do to, you know, help and show solidarity with women of colour and just help, like, day-to-day things? Well, first of all... Um just look at us as equals. Yeah. You know, don't look at us like we are beneath you or, you know, rubble <laughs> yeah. under your feet. Look at us as equals. Rubble. 
<laughs> yeah, kicking rocks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, d- don't assert us. You know, stand with us. Respect our cultures and our backgrounds. Um, and I would just say to you know, don't speak for women of color and allow women of color the platform. And if you do, just listen. I think what white women can do is just sit back and listen to women of color and read up and educate yourselves because women of color are under no obligation to teach you anything. Uh, and you need to start yes. educating yourself. Read some books. Google, um, you know, 10 women of color you should be reading. Yeah. Read some books. Support women of color. Go see um, plays by people like Nakia Louie. Um, you know, you need to start uh, investing, putting your money where your mouth is, buying from women of color, buying from people of color. I know how much you love your turmeric now. Try and find a South Asian store or, a, you know, Thai store, wherever they, whichever culture uses turmeric, go to their grocery stores and buy stuff off them. Yeah, so just keep supporting, you know, people of color, especially women of color and it's really important that we you support our art and also just speak up for people speak up if you see or if you hear people being uh you know racist or saying something offensive whether it's towards women of color um the lbgtqia plus community Call your friends and family into line. Say that's not okay. We need more white people and white women to start speaking up because even people on the left, you know, you think just because you wear your little pin supporting people of color that that's enough. No, you need to start calling your friends and family into line. You need to start be starting that discussion. It can't just be on the shoulders of, of people of color and women of color to do that. You have to start engaging in the conversation. And what you learn from reading and from talking to people of color, you need to take that and try and relay that message and educate other white people about it. Because that's the only way racism and and issues that people of color and women of color face is going to resolve if it has to come from the top down it can't go the other way because we already don't have the respect of many people so you need to start having those conversations they're uncomfortable but can you imagine how uncomfortable they are for women of color we already aren't seen on the same level and it's easier for white people to start having that conversation and white women to start having that conversation rather than expecting women of color and people of color to always be doing this. You know, you'll have a lot less to lose than we do, to be honest. And, um, you know, just like I would say also don't assume things and don't get defensive, get proactive. Um, And, you know, like make friends with Google. Google is the best thing. It's on your phones. It's everywhere. If you don't know something, Google it first, you know. If you really care about an issue, you will take time to educate yourself about it. And I keep on coming back to that same theme of being able to educate yourself because we all learn things through reading and through surrounding ourselves with people who have different perspectives and surrounding ourselves by people who are knowledgeable about certain things so whether it's listening to more podcasts of uh, people of color or um watching more documentaries Ava DuVernay has so many (laughs) yeah you know they're incredible and um The Nod is a really good podcast to listen when it comes to things or race and uh, what would your suggestion be 
Um, but just why women to empathize with people of color and women of color and our hardships and uh, you know, how hard it is to achieve anything yeah. in the current environment. So that's, um, you know, we've given you a lot to think about, read about, um, watch. So hopefully, you know, we can continue this discussion at another time. But uh, thanks for coming on this podcast today. Thank you for having me. Okay, bye. Bye.